0: Standing up in McKinney, this is according to Callus. And today will be episode two hundred eighty one coming out on a Wednesday, which would be the twelfth the twelfth of October. And on Tuesday, I listened to an episode by Brian McClanahan um, 718 talking about the military not being able to recruit. So, in the spirit of that, we're going to call today the Woke Wednesday. That's right. The military has gone so woke that they can't find any more volunteers. And remember, before we get into the show, like, subscribe, share, and comment. Everything is appreciated. Get the word out. We are quickly approaching 30K listens. Not a small number to be trifled with. Word is getting out. Okay. So, The premise that Brian McClanahan was talking about is the military has now become so politicized, so woke for a better term, and we're going to revisit that in a few minutes here, but that they can't meet their recruiting goals year over year. In fact, it's bad enough now that there are certain elected officials that are talking about going going with a compulsory or a mandatory military service. And for those of you that are not aware, that's also called involuntary servitude, also known as slavery, which is the very thing that allegedly we fought the Civil War to end. The 13th and 14th Amendment were supposed to put an end to that. But, apparently, if you reinstitute the draft, it'll all be okay. Funny how that works. You may recall I talked a little bit ago about the song Fortunate Son "Fortunate son, uh, by Cle- uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Now, that was taking place uh, during the Vietnam era when they were putting out their protest songs. Basically, the whole premise is, is if you're special, if you are a millionaire son, a senator son, you will get a special gig so you don't actually have to face war. Or you may get out of the military service altogether. Now we know that's largely been played out throughout history. That's kind of a normal circumstance. Unless, of course, you're an English king and it's kind of put upon your uh, sons to go follow in the footsteps and serve in one branch or another of the military. And perhaps even the French or the uh, German aristocracy at one point. Certainly the Russians and the Italians at one point in time did the same kind of thing. So it's very common within European history, or for those of you who are more white thinking, that a certain segment of the aristocracy, of the leadership, would actually go to the military to excel. And that used to be the case. That used to be true until a certain segment of our society determined it was too good. It It was too good to learn how to lead, militarily speaking. So when we have indoctrinated our multiple generations of political correctness and, quite frankly, garbage history, uh, we've gone to the point now that we're actively expunging people from the South who had served with the Confederates or wiping them out. They didn't exist. They didn't do anything. And the sad thing is, is even those that served in the Confederate military, and then later served in uh, future wars. The Spanish-American War is one of the ones that was referenced by Brian. Uh, Their sons or their nephews, they showed up. They, They volunteered in great numbers. They were trying to rebuild a unified America. And if we fast forward to now, they've actually gone so far as to undo that to twist it away, to destroy that, whether it's in downtown McKinney, downtown Dallas, or Virginia, New Orleans. They want to rename Fort Hood because apparently somebody's panties got in a wad because he was a general back in the Confederate States of America. You know, we name a lot of things in the military over people or battles... That were significant and had an important function in how we became what we are. I mean, should it surprise you that almost all of the helicopters have Indian tribe names? Should we just sponge that because we're co-opting something? Should we should we just pretend that well we can't do that, that's offensive. In fact it's a act of respect. It's an act of acknowledgement of the courage that was involved in, you know, opposing the American army. So there should be no difference. Yet we, we, we spent so much time trying to brainwash young people that go into the military, the people that actually have the instinct, the, the willingness to sacrifice themselves, their own personal well-being, well-being, excuse me, for the purposes of protecting others, are being looked down upon because of where they were born or who their parents were. Does any of this sound familiar? Does any of this concern you at the slightest? Now, the sad thing is, is this has been going on for quite some time. Indeed, in case you didn't know, almost every general... Every admiral attains that rank through politics. Indeed, to move up past, I believe it's in 05, to move up past that 05, you almost always have to have a political benefactor. And while the left is extremely good and has no shame in purging the ranks of good men and good women that serve kicking them to the curb for their own political appointees, the the right just doesn't seem to figure it out. They don't seem to understand that if you purge enough people out, the good people go away. It's through attrition. And they don't return the favor. They don't toss out these less than quality individuals with stars in their collars. They don't kick them to the curb. They don't return the favor or reactivate other people that were basically forced into early retirement. It should be no surprise that the leadership of our military is lacking to say the same to so much of the uh, upper level enlisted men as well. I mean, they can only chase off so many people and, and the attrition rate is terrible. Now, when I served in the 90s, I didn't really see near as much as this. I, I look now, it's 30 years later. I'm not really comfortable with what I'm seeing. I, I have a lot of grave doubts and concerns when it comes to the military that we have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have all the best equipment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have all the best training. You can have all of that. But if you don't love your country... You don't know what you're fighting for and you have zero motivation. That's that's downright scary. There, There's the quote, right? Would you rather have a army of lions led by a lamb or an army of lambs or sheep, if you prefer, led by a lion? The answer is said to be you want the lion to lead your sheep as opposed to the sheep leading the lions. Because leadership is exemplified and followed. That's what being a leader is. When you look on your left or when you look on your right and you see who's with you, who's walking with you, who's working with you, you should be in a place where internally you're saying, I got good men. I got good women working with me here. We can get this done. This is something that is achievable. I have my doubts that we currently see that in the military. Oh, I know, I know. You know, you can just cast aside that your what ifs and your what abouts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're all. You can look at all your little special forces groups and all those unique special units that are the best of the best of the best. And you can go ahead and exempt them from my gross generalization here. You can you can just assume that the cream has rise to the top and... And they're not the issue. No, the issue is going to be the ground-level trooper. The entry-level sailor. The low-end airman. They look around them and they just don't seem to be led well. Now, whether you look at the Air Force Academy, which is a shadow of its former self, whether you look at West Point, and uh, the U.S. Military Academy, and some of the professors that they allow to hide there and fill our uh, young men and women who go there, heads full of garbage, or even Annapolis. I'd be scared to see what they're learning there. I mean, just as an aside, and again, Brian McClanahan points this out, VMI is in trouble. They can't find people that want to go to VMI, because VMI is basically for those of you that don't know, that's Virginia Military Institute. Um, it would be almost an analog to the military academies. Think A&M, but with real military people. Uh, sorry, Aggie's got to get it in there. Uh, you, The Citadel isn't having the same problem because they haven't blown up their roots. They haven't told all these people that well, you know, all this is icky, nasty stuff. We're going to pretend it never happened. We're going to expunge it from our history. We're going to dump the tradition. They haven't done that. This is, this is my understanding. This is where we're at. We, we say we're about tradition. We say we're about loyalty and legacy, and we've destroyed all of that in the name of political correctness. And then you look around and you wonder, what kind of country do we have now? That's a good question. You ought to be concerned. You ought to wonder just what is it that we're going to have left to give to our posterity. You know, I've I've tried to shy away from um, issues that are a national significance, not so much because I don't feel comfortable talking about them, not because I, I'm not interested in them, but just in the concept that we can't fix what happens at the national level. We can't fix things that go on in D.C. We do have a direct impact on everything local. We have a some impact at the state level, but none, federal level. So I will tell you this for just an example, if you will, a little story. So when I got out of the military in 1994, I went back in uh, for about a year in the reserves. And while I was in the reserves, I received an order that I could not comply with. I won't go into details because it's really irrelevant at this point. And I resigned. I I left the reserves. I I wasn't willing to do what they wanted me to do. And everything was kosher. Everything's good. No problems. Everybody was content. For the next six years, when I was working with uh, youth in the uh, church uh, I was attending, I would routinely tell young men, hey, you know what? If you don't know what you want to do, you're not really sure college is for you, you. You don't have a career track. You know what? Go sign up. Do two to four years in the military. Kind of figure out who you are, what you want to do. When you get done, you serve your term, if you will. You can utilize the GI Bill. You'll have figured out who you are and what you want to be doing. You'll learn a job or some skills when you're in the military. You'll you'll get a sense of belonging. You'll get a, an independent spirit. And I would routinely tell that to young men and some young women. All the way up to nine eleven. In nine eleven, I, you know, I, I to, I've talked about this in the past. I struggled. What's the right answer here for me personally? Ultimately, you know, not without some. Whatever I chose to stay out, but even then, I told young men and a few young women, "Hey, it's okay. We're in a war. We got these things going on." You can serve your country. You can figure out who you are. You can make the best of the situation. And, you know, when you get out, you've served your time. You'll have a future, assuming that you don't get hurt or injured. And I was always very sure to explain that it is a war. There's no guarantees. But if you come home safely, you get all this out of it. But the encouragement level drops significantly because who wants to tell a young man or a young woman, you know what, you should go serve your country and go die in a war that quite frankly, I didn't understand. Didn't really support. I understood going after, you know, the guy that allegedly knocked down those buildings. I understood, you know, breaking that terrorist organization. I didn't understand invading two separate countries and staying there for 20 years, but still, even then, it was like, well, you should go, you should give it a try. Sign up for your two, three, four years, whatever. Figure yourself out, serve your country, and then come through it. But by, by 2008, I was like, I cannot in good conscience tell any young man, especially a young woman, you should go sign up. You should go serve in the military. You'll get, you'll get something out of it. Your country will get something out of it because by this point, I was sure that we didn't have an exit plan for either Iraq or Afghanistan. I was sure that we were just throwing our young men to be cannon fodder. I lost faith in that institution. An institution, by the way, that I gave an oath, in a sense, to protect. My oath was to the Constitution and defended against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And these are my brothers and sisters in in uniform. But I can no longer go along with that. I, I, I really struggled with it. I would never dissuade them. I just didn't encourage them anymore. And fast forward now to 2022. And we actively have the military saying to people, you need to forget about who you are. You need to forget about where you come from. You need to look down upon your family and your heritage. You need to remake yourself. Now, for those of you listening and paying attention, actually served and went through boot camp, you'll note that this is actually something that does happen in boot camp. This is something that is part of the program. But when you're done and when you go to your duty station, when you go to your first assignment, when you go to your A school, all that stuff comes back. Those various units, those various groups, they all have a long tradition, many of them based out of the South. And they're being told to purge themselves of all of that. They're being told that none of that matters and that's evil. And the fact that you would even celebrate that means you're evil. Well, is it any wonder that People are not wanting to willingly go serve for this. And in that same light, the very argument, the very instrument that they're using to purge the military of that, the issue of slavery, the issue behind the Civil War in their mind, they're now coming back through on the other side and basically indicating that you can either volunteer or we're going to make you. You can choose to serve or we're going to make you. Now, I'm sorry, but if you're going to claim that was the whole purpose of the Civil War, that was the whole purpose and outcome of the War of Northern Aggression was to end slavery, I'm perplexed as to how you're now thinking this is a good and appropriate way to get about things done. To go about making things happen is that we're going to force people to do these things. I mean, I know we do the same thing if you don't pay your taxes or you don't pay them on time. I know we do the same thing to people if they put a pond in their yard without the correct permiss. So I know we do the same thing if, you know, a few years ago, you just happen to have that wrong kind of smoke with you. But excuse me, if we're the land of the free and the home of the brave, if we are a federal republic why do we not act like it? Why do we not inspire people by previous actions? Why don't we teach the whole of history? Why don't we consider actual reality, warts and all? We, You can have a good man that does many good things, but fell in a few points. We're not looking for we're not looking for pastors. We're not looking for elders. We're looking for men that can be examples. That they overcame, overcame the bad things. That they, they are continuing to overcome their shortcomings. They continue to move forward and do better. That's inspiring. That's what brings people to together. That's what makes people want to protect what they have. But being told that everything that you have is a lie or is terrible, is not worthy... Going back to a couple days ago when it was Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. Being told that everything that's happened since 1492 was a crime against humanity. How in the world are you supposed to get people excited or interested in protecting what is theirs and what's worthy of this devotion that you're willing to sacrifice your life? It's not going to happen. if the military can't use you or it's not interested in you, might I humbly suggest if you're between the ages of 18 and 30, you look up the Texas guard. Now I know the Texas guard is largely ceremonial. They do provide a number of important functions within the state of Texas. And the best part is their commander in chief is our governor. Now you can say what you want about our governor at the moment but it's not the federal government. It's not the Congress. There's not a way for them to federalize your service. The state guard works for the state of Texas. Their job is to protect and serve those people in the state of Texas. Now, I think I'm probably too old to go sign up myself. I have looked into it a couple of times, but quite frankly, when you have children at home and other things going on. That's probably not the best choice, much like it wasn't the best choice for me to go re-enlist after nine eleven. But if you're single or if you don't have any kids and you have the time and you're interested, go check out the Texas Guard or even the Texas Air National Guard. I think they're free from being put under the national thumb. This would give you an opportunity to serve, to learn more about yourself, to, quite frankly, protect Texas. This is a valid and important thing. There is another organization that is, I guess, not well known. My three younger brothers all served in it. It's called the Civil Air Patrol. The Civil Air Patrol goes out and does searches for planes that go down. They do all sorts of practice things. They're, I guess, more or less an auxiliary of the military, but not really. They're separate from the chain of command, but they're kind of sort of report to the Air Force. But man, I mean, if you're a young kid and, you know, Boy Scouts is now too woke that it can't even be called Boy Scouts anymore. Maybe the Civil Air Patrol will work for you. Maybe that's an option. There's lots of interesting things you can learn. Now, I'm sorry to say it's probably gone the same direction in the as the Air Force before it. But it's a way to serve your community. It's hopefully got good leadership in the state of Texas and you can make of it what you can. I mean, again, there are a lot of young men and some young women out there that want to serve their community. They want to make more out of their state of Texas. Those are both, I think, valid things to check out. They may not be the right fit for you. They may not be the perfect solution but it's something and it's better than nothing. Just consider it. If you're 17, 19 years old, you're just wrapping up high school. You're not really a college bound person. You're not really sure what you want to do. Why wouldn't you go tech, check out the Texas guard? How was it hurt? Why wouldn't you go check out the civil air patrol? And honestly, if I remember correctly, a Civil Air Patrol, you can get in like when you're 12. I mean, so if you really, truly want to go join the military still, I mean, the Civil Air Patrol would seem to be a really good on-ramp, I'm just saying. And I say this is all secondhand because I myself didn't serve in the Civil Air Patrol. My younger brothers did, and they did quite well for themselves while they were in there, and they seemed to have a generally good, positive time. Of course, this was also 30 years ago or at least 25 years ago. It's what you make of it in many, many ways. (sighs) Myself, going back to the original thesis, the more things go woke, they allegedly go broke. But in this case, the military got broke, which is now why it's woke. It was broke by poor leadership at the federal level, Poor leadership in the Pentagon. Poor leadership at the military academies. Quite frankly, when somebody's far more concerned about somebody's politics than their capability of commanding an army, that's a problem. The fact that we've got an attorney general, I'm sorry, surgeon general, whatever it is, that isn't sure what sexy is, that should be very scary to you. This guy is supposed to be over our scientific studies. And he can't tell whether he's a boy or a girl. Again, we're broke, so we've gone woke. And now they want to go about breaking some more things. And quite frankly, that doesn't interest me. Quite frankly, I'm appalled that anybody's okay with it. But apparently, apparently, there's a large number of people that are just not having any more of it. They're saying, thanks, but no thanks. We're not going to serve. And if at some point they decide to dust off the old laws and dream up their idea of a draft, I'll look forward to our Supreme Court saying, yeah, you don't really have that authority. That's a violation of the Constitution. Because while it still matters, we have to use it. We have to make the most of it. Now, I know, I know there's a large contingent of people that are not friends of liberty not friends of the Constitution. Quite frankly, they're not friends of you and I that want to basically remake these United States into some kind of socialistic, oligarchic farm. Oh, they're really close to it. Just look around. But know this. You can disagree with me, and we can have a polite Educational conversation. We don't have to be jerks. We don't have to hate each other. But if you're going to come after my family, if you're going to come after my home, if you're going to basically tell me that I'm not worthy of existing and my family ought not be valued, that's going to be a problem. We're going to have more than words. That's where we're at. We we went from the 1960s or we were telling one group of people, Oh, wow, you're not really Americans. And then we said, oh, well, well, maybe you are. Maybe we've been wrong about this this whole time. Um, we're sorry. Let's move forward to now that, quite frankly, the very same people that told one group of people that they don't have a right to be full Americans. They're now telling a different group of people, you guys don't get a chance to be Americans anymore. You people aren't worthy of being Americans anymore. You people don't even get to call yourself Texians. It's the same group of people, the same oligarchy that's been in control this whole time. They kept one part of our nation down and now they're moving to keep another part of the nation down. It should be no surprise. They excel by pitting us against each other. They excel by getting us to see each other as enemies. Wake up, guys. They're going to be leaving us defenseless at this current rate. We've given away most of our weapons to a war that we have zero interest in. We can't get good quality people to join the military anymore. And this has been going on for a while. It's not just a new thing. And quite frankly, we promote and move people into positions of authority that are basically incompetent because there's some quota that needs to be met. And before you read too much into that, Whatever. When your politics are more important than your pursuance of excellence, that's an issue. When your politics become more important than your quality and ethic, that's a problem. If you can't understand that you need somebody that can actually pilot a ship and that can actually command a squadron, But you're more concerned about what they look like or what their organs are, that's a problem. Now I've spent a lot more time on this than I originally planned. I've kind of, uh, I don't really start with a script, so I can't really end with a script. Uh, But the whole idea, the whole inspiration of this, Comes courtesy of the Brian McClanahan Show is episode 718, which I listened to on Tuesday, the 11th of October. The whole premise being that if you can't recruit, your military dies. And I've just tried to extrapolate that into our everyday lives at a better understanding from me, just a mere grunt living in Texas. Right here in Collin County. What does that look like going forward? Well, we talk about that on a day by day basis. There are way, there are ways to go forward. There are ways to overcome this. It's just a matter of getting involved. And with that, this was according to Callis. This was episode two eighty one, the Woke Wednesday. And till next time, I will see you on the other side.